People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. Well, today we're going to be talking about the tragedy that is Mostert's Mill. The fire of a few weeks ago completely destroyed the Jagger Library at UCT. It destroyed the Rhodes Memorial Restaurant, and it destroyed one of Cape Town's landmarks, the Mostert's Mill. And it's standing there at the moment looking like a stub. So I have with me in the studio the chairman of Friends of Mostert Mill, and who's been a volunteer miller since 1995, John Hammer. And John, when you were here the last time, we spoke about your job as a harbour pilot and all the extraordinary things you did. And that interview ended up being repeated over and over because people were fascinated. And although this one is more sad, it's good to welcome you back. So welcome. Thank you, Rodney. As chairman and all the friends, you must have been devastated by this. When did you discover, actually discover it had happened? Um, I was down in the South Peninsula and my phone was on silent. And at five oh, o'clock, no. I looked at my phone and saw loads of missed calls and messages. And I read the first one and said the mill had burnt. My heart sank right down into my boots. The oh, mill shit. is burning. And I got there at 6 o'clock to see the last flames and, uh, as you say, nothing left but a stump. And it burnt, obviously, very quickly because it had a thatched roof. And as you said just before we came to the studio, once that had caught, and because of all the wood inside, there was nothing much to do. No, once the thatch had caught and the woodwork had started burning, there wasn't anything that could have Nothing I could have done if I'd got there at 5 o'clock could have saved the mill. Mm-hmm. Once the thatch was alight, that was it. And did it burn very quickly? I don't know. I wasn't there. Oh, okay, the, and, fair enough. Um, we've had a fire investigator, and, and he kind of said, um, what could we have done and w- to prevent the fire? And the thing is that the mill's been there for 225 years and never had a fire before, so it's not something that we expected to happen. Mm. Normally the wind comes from the southeast in fires, but that particular day there was no wind, and then it came from the west, and that was why a spark came out of the trees and landed in the thatch of the mill. Is the actual concrete or brick or rock structure of the mill okay? It's not concrete um, at all. It's built in 220 years ago. So the building is made of lime, lime plaster, sun-baked bricks. And that actually survives a fire better. Like at Wuppertal, those old sun-baked bricks actually bake harder in the fire. So the structure of the building, we've had a structural engineer in, is still sound enough. Um, with a bit of repair, we can get the building all sorted. I like the way you say a bit of repair, but we're going to talk about your project and repairs and how the public can help in the course of this program. But just at the moment, talking about the tragedy, does the the woodwork and all that came from Holland, I think. When we talk more about that later, we can discuss that. But yeah. you say also you're going to try and do it locally, fix it locally. Yes, yeah. the, none of the woodwork came from the Netherlands except in the 95 restoration. The mill was built with local wood, and in fact, the old timbers, the old beams, well, old ship's timbers that are sadly reduced to ash. And there was destruction around it as well, wasn't there? One of the houses burned down. Yeah, the house below the mill is de Mueller, which is also a very historical house. It's also a, a Western Cape heritage site. 
that was completely destroyed in the fire. But um, that being a national monument, old national monument, will have to be rebuilt. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a cabinet minister's house. He wasn't in residence at the time. Um, and uh, a lot of work needs doing that. Oh, so was that badly damaged? Very badly damaged, yeah. But that's beyond my scope as the, you know, the Friends of Mosters Mill are going to be concentrating on the mill and the Department of Public Works will have to take care of Demiola. Okay. Just uh, talking still about the destruction, when you drive past it now, it's got um, black plastic over it with, with yeah. netting. It, is that to prevent rain or, or what is that for? Yes, that was the first thing we did on the Wednesday after the fire was to cover the top of it because it, it has it's laminated the architects. It's split mm. slightly. There are different layers of that plasterwork and we don't want the rain to get into those old walls and cause further damage. So that's the important thing was to take to protect any water, any further ingress with the winter rains coming to stop that from happening. Okay, so it's tightly secured there. Yes, yeah. And the wind's not going to blow it off. No. And the rain's not going to get no, in. No, it was a, a sailor and, a, and a, a paratrooper from the British Army did it, the two of us. So, <laughs> so it's going to be safe. It's going to be. It's withstood the southeast of the other day, so I think we're all right with all it. All right. And have you had lots of reaction from the public? Huge amount of reaction. Even on the Monday after the fire, I had 251. WhatsApp messages and Good my grief. phone just never stopped ringing for the last two weeks with people offering sympathy, people offering help. Um, the Mustard family, the Van Rienen family, um, it's actually been incredible because we have a whole lot more information than we've ever had before people are coming to the fore. Well, I want to talk in some detail about the structure of this mill when it was built and all that and your plans and some of its history in the course of our chat, John. And then I know you're also wanting to raise funds um, and we'll give people details of how they can help financially, which I presume is quite important. Absolutely, yes, yeah, absolutely. But what are we going to play music-wise with this? All right, this time I thought we should do world music. So I've chosen music from all the parts of the world. My first piece of music is J.C. Cook. And he's a Canadian guitarist, and he's brought musicians from all over the world and in the 90s. And he's a guitarist himself. And so the first piece of music I've chosen is J.C. Cook's song called Azul.
That was Jesse Cook, a piece called Arzul, and the first choice of my guest on People of Note this week, whose name is John Hammer, but he is here, not as a pilot this time, but as the chairman of Friends of Mustard's Mill, and he's been a volunteer there since 1995. In fact, you recall, John, that we every, I think once a month, we used to mention that on a Saturday morning, the mill would be open, grinding wheat, um, and was that, before we start talking about the mill again, was that successful? Did people come? Was it of interest to the public? Very much so, yes. Yeah. We'd get um, 20 families, maybe 30 families coming to the mill on an open Saturday. Um, we would grind wheat into meal and people could buy the meal, go home and make the bread. We had bread at the mill that the people could taste the, the product that was coming out of the mill. So it was very successful and uh, I've had a lot of people who came to that visit have been back to the mill to look at the sad old mill and just say, you know, what a terrible tragedy it is. But um, every one of them, I tell them, we are going to rebuild, and they all go, yay, we're going to have a mill back again. Yeah, I hope so. Now, let's just talk about a little bit of the history. It was built in 1796. That is correct, by Geisbert van Rienen. Uh, the farm, Velgelegen, actually is one of the earliest Cape farms, and it dates from 1676. So in that area, in exactly that that mill, yeah, was, was on built the on the farm Velgelegen, which dates from when twenty years after Van Riebeck arrived. So a very old farm, and De Mueller, the house below the mill, would probably be in the first little long cottage. Um, so it already had been one hundred and fifty years before Geisbert van Rienen decided that he wanted to build a mill. Interesting, 1796 is the first British occupation of the Cape, so we think he took a chance because all the mills before that had belonged to the Dutch East India Company. Mustard's Mill is a little private farm mill. It was never meant to be a commercial mill. So the way we used it, opening it once a month, was probably the way that it was used even in those days. It operated until about 1870s and then fell into disrepair. Cecil John Rhodes bought all those farms along there, and it was called the Old Mill, and it was in a state of disrepair. In 1935, the Dutch government gave money, and a man, a millwright, was sent out, Chris Bremner, from the Netherlands, and the mill was restored into working order. There's a very famous picture of Herzog, the Prime Minister, and everybody sitting at the opening ceremony in 1935. <laughs> right. But now, wait. First of all, you said it was owned by Geisbert van Rennen. Where did the name Mostert come from? He didn't have any sons that we know about. His son-in-law was Sebrant Mostert. Okay. And for some reason, it became Mostert's Mill. Names are funny things. The Dutch are, are intrigued by the fact that the mill is named after a person's name because the mills in Holland are called Hope Mill and Star Mill. So it's a, it's a particular Cape thing to have called the mill after the name of a person. Mm -hmm. So it's the son of the original owner of Verkelijke. The son-in-law. The son-in-law. Yes. Are there other mills in South Africa? There are. There were eleven windmills on the Cape Flats by 1870. You know, Gosh. they were Dutch-descended people, and yeah. it's much easier. There are lots of water mills still working, in particular in the Western Cape. I think there's something like 14 water mills still working. But um, windmills are very scarce. There's still a building. If you look up on the M5 to the north, you will see a building very much the same shape as Mustard's Mill. That was called Nivermuelen. And there's a, pla a, a name of a place called Odemwellen. So these were all windmills that were built on the flats. It, 
if you've got running water on a steep, you build a water mill. But if you're on the flats, by the time the Lisbeck River gets there, it hasn't got the power to drive a water mill, so you build a windmill. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Nivermorlin isn't in a very good state. It's in the middle of Alexandra Hospital, so it's a difficult site for anybody to do anything about. So Mustard's Mill was the last working windmill in Africa and one of three in the Southern Hemisphere. That's how important it is. Indeed, and that's what we always used to emphasize on calendar, the last working mill. And so a windmill, you've got to educate me about windmills and watermills. Yeah. A windmill is operated by the wind, and it does it send water across or does it just It can be used wheat? for a variety of things. In the Netherlands, they use as sawmills. They're used for gunpowder. They're used for um, crushing uh, lime. Our particular mill is a grain mill, specifically for wheat. Um, that was one. That was the reason those farmers were let out of the castle, the Freiburgers, as we were called, because they needed to grow the wheat in the vineyards, and the city bowl wasn't the right place. Mm. So they were settled on the banks of the Lisbeck River, like the farm Belgelechen. So it was a wheat mill. Okay, and. Does it require a lot of power to grind wheat? Would um, it the same sort of power as would be to move water? Yeah, I mean, those sails are tremendously big. Mm. It's a small mill, but still the sails are six meters long. Yes. Um, and you, the, the, the actual structures are called sails, and they have sail cloths on them. And if you've got a light wind, you spread the full sail cloth against all four of the sails. If the wind gets any stronger, you can fill those like on a yacht. You can make them smaller. You can fold a quarter off, a corner off, a half, three quarters. So you can mill in pretty much any wind. As long as the wind is 10 to 15 knots, then you've got a – the ideal speed is 60 ends a minute. So one of those sails coming past every second, which is quite fast. It is quite fast. Gosh. Yeah. I'm interested that you can actually furl the sail. How do you do that? Manually? Or is there something clever inside the mill? No, the mill being 1796, it's almost a bit of a medieval mill. So they, <laughs> you've got to put the brake on as each of the sails becomes vertical. And then you take a corner and you roll it up tightly and tie it down. With your hands? With your hands. Very much a hands-on operation. Okay. When we get to the mill in the mornings on a milling day, the first thing we have to do is to spread those sail cloths. So the sails are actually designed for you to climb up them. Mm-hmm. They're two knots that have to be tied at the top. So it's very important that the brake works very well because you don't want to be going round and round while you're busy up there tying the knots. And presumably it did all work. I mean, the windmill worked very well, didn't it? Well, the irony is that the brake didn't work all that well. The last job we did on the Saturday before the fire was to finally finish the last big job in getting the mill 100%, and that was to get the brake working 100%. Oh, my goodness me. And we finished that on Saturday afternoon. We tried it, tested it. There's a little YouTube about it. And we cheered, and we swept the floor, and we locked the door and walked out of the mill on Saturday afternoon feeling very pleased with ourselves, little knowing what would happen the next day. Oh, dear. Okay, well, now let's have some more music. John, what are we going to have next? The second choice I've got is Celtic Legacy. So we're going to the lands of the Celts, and this is a Welsh song. I don't think I can pronounce it in Welsh. It's called There's My Love, and it's by a band called Four in the Musical Bar. It's a bit of Celtic music. I have My grandfather was a, a man from Cornwall, so I have some Celtic blood.
There's some Celtic music, as you heard there, Celtic legacy in that piece, Four in a Bar, I think it was called. And it was uh, another choice of my guest on People of Note here on Fine Music Radio this week, John Hammer. And we're talking about the tragedy that is, and will soon hopefully not be anymore, Mostert's Mill having been burned down in that awful fire. And, John, we spoke about the history of the mill dating back to 1796 on the farm but a fairly major restoration took place in 1935, didn't it? I think you hinted at that. Yeah, as I said, the Dutch government actually were responsible for um, paying for the 1935 restoration. A man was sent from the Netherlands to come and do it. He spent six months in the Cape. The lucky thing about that was it was very carefully documented. And just recently, a woman got hold of me from KwaZulu-Natal, her grandfather was the architect at the Department of Public Works at the time, and through his cooperation with the Dutch authorities that were busy, the Hollandse Muurlen, he was given a little tin windmill, silver-coated tin windmill, which this woman has donated to us. <laughs> you brought it into the studio, John. This is where it's a pity we don't have television, because it's a little beauty. Yes, and it's brought us a lot of good luck already because um, Andy Self, our technical manager, put it on his Facebook page. And a man called Martin van Balchoy in the Netherlands is busy digitizing the archives of De Hollandse Merlin and has found all those original documents and drawings from 1935. Of Mostert's Mill? Of Mostert's Mill, which are going to be completely invaluable to us in the good reconstruction grief. of the mill. Now, that is... <laughs> Or I want to say divine intervention almost, because that's an amazing thing to have happened. Yes, absolutely. We're delighted with it. We're also very fortunate that the UCT surveying department only six months ago came and did a 3D scan of the inside of the mill with their brand new machine. 
and the images and the are coming out of that already and we c- they are absolutely accurate depictions and dimensions of the inside of the mill and that's also going to be very valuable in the reconstruction of the mill gosh that is a s- huge stroke of luck i didn't know why they were doing it <laughs> 6 months ago now i know as you say a little bit of divine a little bit of providence seeing looking after the mill there so now all that was 1935 was it that was in 1935 the mill unfortunately they didn't appoint millers so the mill was never really used and it being a machine it needed to turn and they didn't do that mm. so People were told me up till about the 50s, occasionally on, a, on, on like Heritage Day or something like that, the mill would work, but not often enough. So after the 50s, the mill ceased to work. I used to walk past it every single day coming down from the UCT um, from 1981 to 1984. And I used to go inside and it was all dusty and there was an old man sitting at the door there. And he could tell you a little bit about the mill, but not very much. Uh-huh. So... In 1993, the Vernacular Architectural Society of Cape Town, of South Africa, actually had a little meeting, and a subcommittee was formed for the restoration of Mustard's Mill once more. And so in 1995, the mill was restored again by the same millwright company. The son of Chris Bremner came to the mill. Four of them came out, and the mill was restored back into working order. They had a meeting in the Mowbray Town Hall for the formation of the Friends of Mustard's Mill. I went to that meeting and I got on the committee for my troubles <laughs> and I have been there ever since. What was the impetus for your joining? Were you just fascinated by this thing, the structure? Well, as I, we spoke about in my last interview, Rodney, I'm a sailor, I'm a seaman, I spent time on a square rigger. So it's a land-based sailing machine. <laughs> That's true. With sails, noch all, Absolutely, as they say. absolutely. And have you been there ever since? I've been there ever since. I've been working at the mill since 1995. And what happened this time round was that we had an old miller from the Netherlands, Andre Bakker, come and teach three of us how to work the mill. It, you need the skills. You can't just walk in there. It, it requires a fair amount of skill. So what we've done now is that I've trained different millers. We've, through the years, we've lost everybody except now I've got a man who's 15 years younger than me, Andrew, Anthony Buckland. And him and I have for the last two or three years run the mill regularly, as you know from your notices on calendar. Mm, mm. So presumably it's pure wind power. There's nothing electronic there, nothing sort of fancy and computers and everything. It's just wind power and the turning of the wood. Absolutely. I mean, Wooden gears. In fact, the mill, there's, there were later in the Industrial Revolution in the Netherlands all sorts of improvement to the mills. They had louvers on the sails and things like that. But Little Mustard's Mill is actually almost a medieval mill. It's about as simple as you can get. We've got uh, rather curious drilling here okay. um, at Artscape, so please forgive that sound. All right, John, let's take another break and have your, what, your third piece of music now. What have we got this time? Yes, this is um, Italian music. It's from a, a CD called Italian Cafe, a Putumeo world music. These are remixes of songs that were done in Italy before the rock and roll era in the 50s and 60s. This song was actually sung by Sophia Loren to Clark Gable in a film called Started in Naples. So it's a, it's a nice, upbeat Italian song. Thank you. 
Something to cheer us up. You want to be an American? The Italian Cafe CD on the Putumaya World Music label. Another choice of my guest. I'm talking to John Hammer about Mostert's Mill and the devastating fire that destroyed it. And really, it's fascinating history. And um, since 1995, as you say, milling and maintenance has been very much part of it with the help of friends. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, who funds you? How do you keep this thing running? We've always been self-funded. The property was left to the state by Cecil John Rhodes to be um, the the, the Department of Public Works to be the custodians of the site. Mm -hmm. But we decided that uh, the Friends of Mustard's Mill was formed specifically to take care of the mill. We don't have ownership of the mill at all. We're purely an interest group. We are a registered non-profit organization. We've had regular committee meetings. We have a committee of seven. That's changed over time. We have a secretary and a treasurer, so all our, our books are kept up to date. 
And to train millers and to maintain the mill are the two main parts of our reason for existence. So who actually does own the mill? Is it a heritage thing? It, Rhodes left the, his estate to the public. To the public. To the, so it's really the state. The mill, that whole of Rhodes' estate belongs to the state. Mm-hmm. And the Department of Public Works were appointed by Rhodes to be the custodians of his oh, okay. estate. I see, I see. As you explain now, um, this organization, the Friends of Mostert's Mill, they are like you, people who are just besotted and enthusiastic about um, a windmill. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, We had um, three people, James Walton, uh, uh, Brad Wallace Bradley and Jonah Marks were the three people from the VINACS, the v- uh, Vernacular Architectural Society of South Africa, that formed the subcommittee. James Walton has written a definitive book on mills in southern Africa, and Master's Mill was one of his favorites. And they were the people that instigated the restoration of the mill in 1995 and managed to get the funds from the government, our local government, at that time, which was a considerable amount of money, and the Dutch millwrights came out. They brought a new sails. They brought a new brake wheel, and they got the mill working. Um, Fagan Architects did the structure of the building, and we had a working windmill, and then we had a Dutch miller teach us how to work it. So, as I said before, the reason it went into disrepair before was because it didn't work. And the important thing is to keep the mill was to keep yeah, the mill running, yeah, yeah. and we've done that for the for the last twenty five years. Pretty much once a month, maybe skip the odd month. We've had the sails turning. We've had the grindstones grinding. Children come to the mill. They can understand and see the whole milling process. And there's the bread for them to taste. So they get very excited by it. I get a lot of children coming to the gate going, oh, dear, boring, another old museum. And by the time they leave, they're they're on a high because the mill is such a special thing. And it's working. It's doing something. It's not just standing there to be looked at. Absolutely. And they smell the bread when they walk into the mill. (laughs) Do you sell the bread anyway or do you only get it from the mill? No, we we give you a recipe and you go make your own bread. (laughs) From the flour that we get from? from It's not called flour. Well, correct you. It's called meal. Whole ah, meal, okay. because what, what you put in the top comes out the bottom. Flour is just the white part. There are three parts to it. You get the bran, the wheat germ, and the flour. And the wheat germ is the really nutritious part, but that part goes rancid, so you've got to use it almost immediately or keep it in the fridge. All the stuff you buy commercially, they've taken the wheat germ out, and that's actually the good stuff. <laughs> My goodness me. So we'll all have to start uh, learning how to make bread once the windmill is up and working again. Absolutely, and that was one of our aims before this happened was that uh, Anthony Buckland, my fellow miller, is a very good baker and uh, he does this often and he yeah. brings and he makes sourdough bread. So one of the things we were going to do is have sourdough bread baking lessons at the mill. I've actually got a solar oven. You put it out in the sun. I bought it from an old couple that make them at Karlitzdorp, a German couple. And you just, it's a box with a big glass lid on the top of it. And you put it out in the sun and two hours later, you've got a baked loaf of bread. And that we used to bring to the mill and put it in the threshing floor. And so when the bread came out of that, the whole mill smelt of fresh bread. Am I right in saying, or somebody told me, that there was a time where you, being a fan of Found Music Radio, wanted to have music there? Did you not want to have a little chamber concert or something? That was definitely one of my aims, was to raise funds, was to have chamber. The, the acoustics inside, one of the millers that now lives in the UK was a fiddle player. And the acoustics inside the mill are very, very, very nice. 
So after the fire, the memorial benches were left, but the threshing floor is also, and we've had a function there before with a stretch tent over it. So one of our fundraising events we like to think would be a musical happening in the threshing floor with a stretch tent over it, with us selling some of our T-shirts and our little badges and postcards and we're also brewing beer at the at the mill, at the, and <laughs> really? I'm sure that we will get donations of wine. And we, in the future, the near future, is to have fundraisings, musical evenings, musical afternoons at the mill. This threshing place is not – is it outside the mill? It's just next to the mill, hey? so um, just above Demuller, there's a round, low white wall, which is still completely intact. The whitewash hasn't got a drop of soot on it. And that was where the wheat was brought to be dried and then winnowed. And horses used to run round and round on it to, to stamp the, the kernels out of the stalks. The, it was winnowed, as I said, and then the, bag, the wheat was bagged and stored. You don't grind the wheat until you need it because I told you the wheat germ goes off. Yes. So there were two, three barns down at the end of the field. And the wheat was stored in the barn and brought up to – a bag was brought up to the mill every now and again when the farmer needed. So we can do – we've figured out we could do 10 kilograms in two or three hours of milling on a good day, which 10 kilograms is 20 loaves of bread. And a farm – that farm would have had about 40 souls on it. That would have kept the farm in bread for a week or two. Mm, absolutely. But just going back to music briefly, you wouldn't have music in the mill. I presume it's too small for that. No, my idea was to have music in the mill. In um, the actual mill. Because the acoustics are so good. Yes, that's what I is, thought you Yeah, said. Is to have, that was the idea before the mill. And, and that will eventually happen again. Um, I have a vision of a cello player downstairs and everybody just standing or sitting around inside the mill um, and uh, listening to some fine music radio, some fine music <laughs> in the middle. Well, you must tell us when you do that so we can tell our listeners and Absolutely. Uh, have a sort of great big launch session with music Absolutely. when the windmill. How long do you think it's going to take to rebuild? It's a very hard question. People have been asking me that question. How much is it going to cost and how long is it, is it going to take? Nobody in South Africa has rebuilt a windmill before, a 220-year-old windmill. So it really is a hard and, – and some of our biggest sponsors are asking us for a budget. Yes. We are working at the moment. You might drive past and think nothing's happening, but we are very much in the planning phase of what the next steps are going to be. So first we've got to get all our ducks in a row before we even start doing anything. And we're going to have to get permission from the Dep Department of Public Works to do anything at the mill. We have to wait for that permission. Before. But what we are hoping to do is to have the machine, all the money that we get, will go towards buying materials, and we are hoping that different volunteers will come forward to build the various component parts of the machinery. And the idea is to put a small name plaque on each of the parts with the person who do either donated the timber or who made the part. So our, my idea is to have a people's mill. Seriously, not something that some big corporate has come and just done everything, but the people of Cape Town. This iconic building is going to be rebuilt by us. Great news, great news. <laughs> now, I want to ask you how people can help and all that. But first of all, let's have another piece of music. So my fourth piece of music is a man called Ishmael Law. So we got African music, and the album is called ISO. He's a Senegalese singer from West Africa. And uh, this was recorded in 1994 in France. 
Also, an upbeat, nice African song, Nafatav. One day, now, one day, now, one day, now, one day, Que yo me 
Well, that's Ismail Lowe, a piece called Nafantov, and a choice of John Hammer, my guest on People of Note this week, where we're talking about Mostert's Mill and the tragedy of the mill having been burned down. But we're not, as you will have noticed, concentrating on the tragedy. We're concentrating on this wonderful mill and its life up to April 2021. And now, John, the future, because the important thing, as you said, you're going to get the public involved. We of Cape Town must do it. What else can people do to help you? Well, we have crowdfunding going on in the Netherlands. It's a GoFundMe, a crowdfunding organization, um, but that is aimed mostly at the overseas people, and money has been coming into that. We've got a nice amount of money in that. But locally, we want people to join the Friends of Mustard's Mill. It's 50 rand for a family for a year, Um, and if you can, add a donation to it. You will find all that information on our website, mustardsmill.co.za, with our bank details. And we can assure the public that 100% of that money is going to be towards the restoration of the mill. All of us have always worked as volunteers, and we're hoping most of the work of the reconstruction of the machinery will be done by volunteers. So um, we have our organization, the Friends of Mustards Mill, as I said, is a non-profit organization. Um, we have a, a treasurer, a very good treasurer, is a math lecturer at UCT, and all our books are audited every year, so people can rest assured there'll be no skullduggery with whatever they donate will go towards <laughs> the restoration of the mill. Okay, so you'd need a lot of families if it's 50 rand a year. So people, presumably, if they are moved to do so, can give a one-off bigger donation if they wanted to. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, no, we encourage people. But um, every little bit will help. So don't, you know, if somebody only wants, can only afford to give 50 rand, that's fine. The important thing is that we want this mill to be rebuilt by us, by the people. And my whole logo will be eventually Mustard's Mill, the People's Mill. That's a, and that's how it's going to be called in the future. That's what I'm going to call it in the future. And I, I think it's important that uh, there's no doubt at all that Cape Tonians, I've realized since the fire how much the mill means to people. I've had a stream of people coming up to the mill, tears being uh, coming out of people's eyes. But uh, they all go away with an echoing in their heads that the mill will be rebuilt. I'm very fortunate to have a man called Andy Self. There's been certain jobs that needed to be done at the mill, um, maintenance jobs, and three or four of the really big ones, Andy Self. He's an apple farmer from the Elgin district. He restored a water mill at Botrefir called Companies Drift on the Beaumont farm. He's very keen at remaking, rebuilding. He built that mill from the ground up, and he's going to be our technical manager. The Friends of Master's Mill Committee have elected him as our technical manager, and he's already got the bit between his teeth. He's doing all the research that he can. We're looking, what we are looking for is for people to donate old timbers because what we'd like to do is the timbers that were old in the mill to replace them with old timbers. The vertical shaft, in fact, was an old ship's mast. The beams in the mill were from old wrecked sailing ships on the beaches of Cape Town. My goodness. The mill wasn't one kind of wood. It was a whole series of different kinds of woods. In 1985, the wind shaft broke, and the Public Works Department at that time replaced that with a piece of Oroco. 
It has to be seven meters long and a very strong piece of wood. So if anybody's got any of those pieces like that, seven meters long, lying around in their back garden, please come forward with it. What sort of shape? Is it like round or square? It's a, it's or? a, it's a square shape, but it has to be lathed where it, 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 the bearing in the front part is round with metal inlays in it. So Andy's already thinking of how we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. But we're getting a lot of help from the Netherlands. There's a man who came to visit Mustard's Mill two years ago. Who's a, he runs an old mill, a commercial mill in the Netherlands, Sven Verbeek. And we're in constant contact with him, and he's been a great help in terms of what we go, the technical aspects of repairing the mill. He'll be right there with us. And he said if it wasn't for COVID, he'd be already helping us. <laughs> of course, this has happened in the middle of COVID, just to complicate things. But it's very, you know, when I saw it, I thought, oh, gosh, they're never going to repair this. It's going to be torn down, and it'll be the end of that. So to hear your commitment and enthusiasm and passion is unbelievably heart-lifting. And so thank you, John, for being so interesting again, this time about Mostert's Mill. And just let me repeat, if people want to donate, they go to your website, which is www.mostertsmill.co.za. That is correct, yes. All right. There will also be updates on what's happening at the mill. And as I said, anybody who makes a donation of over 50 rand, 50 rand or above, will automatically be made a friend of Mustard's Mill. And then you keep an eye on our website and uh, our progress will be recorded on our website. So people who want to become a friend of Mustard's Mill also go to the website and apply through there. Absolutely. Gosh, I'm hoping that you get lots and lots of people and a grand opening um, whenever that might be, and hopefully not in the too distant future. Yes, we hope not. But it'll be a long and winding road, but we will get there one step at a time. And just one last question. The actual uh, blades, what do you call it? Sails. They looked quite intricately made. They have to be intricately made, and you've got to repeat all that now. No, the sails, the things that survived in the mill are the sails, the, the stocks of the sails, the woodwork is not such a big – we've got enough woodwork to be able to copy, but the, the metal stocks of the sails are intact. They can be reused, so we don't need to worry about that. And the millstones are also – they although they fell and, and got a little damaged, they will be reused. And the other thing is all the metal work that was in the mill, a lot of it is blacksmith's work from 220 years ago. That has all been saved, and that will all go back into the mill. So there will be some of the old structure of the mill back inside the mill again. Gosh. John, it's all very, very encouraging. Thank you very much. And what's your last piece of music that we can – serenade you out of the studio yes um, once more put a Mayo label um, this time Brazilian music Chico Barak I believe he's well known a Brazilian musician and the name of the song is absolutely unpronounceable but it means when I leave I go without sorrow well, I hope you're leaving here without sorrow, John, <laughs> with all this happening. I've been talking to John Hammer, who's the chairman of Friends of Mostert's Mill. It's going to be the People's Mill, so let's all get together and help this beautiful structure come back to life that we see on the M3 there. John, thanks very much. Pleasure, Rodney. Quando eu for eu vou sem pena, pena vai ter quem ficar Quando eu for eu vou sem pena, pena vai ter quem ficar 
Morena tão desamada e tão precisada de amar A sucena delicada sem a mão pra lhe cuidar Curva de rio sereno, sem proa pra navegar E tanta beira de estrada, sem um moço pra pousar O que eu fiz é muito pouco, mas é meu e vai comigo Deixo muito inimigo, porque sempre andei direito Agasalhei neste peito, muita cabeça chorando Morena minha, até quando? Você de mim vai lembrar Quando eu for eu vou sem pena Pena vai ter quem ficar Quando eu for eu vou sem pena, pena vai ter quem ficar Quando eu for eu vou sem pena, pena vai ter quem ficar Morena tão desamada e tão precisada de amar Açucena delicada sem a mão pra lhe cuidar Curva de rio serena, sem proa pra navegar E tanta beira de estrada sem um moço pra pousar O que eu fiz é muito pouco Mas é meu e vai comigo Deixo muito inimigo Porque sempre andei direito Agasalhei neste peito Muita cabeça chorando Morena minha até quando Você de mim vai lembrar Quando eu for eu vou sem pena Pena vai ter quem ficar quando eu for eu vou sem pena, pena vai ter quem ficar People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. Yeah. 